All right, let's get ready. Put, I'm going to put things in perspective here for just a few moments. Get something to write with, and then we're going to go right to the Word of God. When you walk into a bookstore, there's some books that stand out, and especially when it comes down to fiction, there's some things that are always up front. And, and I just got an email today that John Grisham, who writes fiction, just came out with a new book. And there's the Tom Clancy's and the J.K. Rawlings. What's interesting, if you were to take one of these fiction books, they probably consist of probably between six to 800 pages. When you think of a, for example, of a Tom Clancy novel who uh, gave us Jack Ryan's CIA uh, stories and everything from Patriot Games to some of all fears and all the um, clear and present danger. It's interesting, when he writes a book, there's a half a million to three quarters of a million words in that book. Think, think of that for just a second, half a million. In those 800 pages, a half a million to three quarters of a million words that are in just one novel. And here's the question I want to ask you today. How long will it take you to say that many words? Just think for a second. Half a million to three quarters of a million. So here, here we go. Let me put things in perspective before we jump right to the word of God today. Each person, research says each person in this place will open up their mouth at least 700 times per day. Some of you more, but most of you 700. This is New York. Many of you more than 700 times per day. And here's what's amazing. Here's incredible. In that 700 times, you will speak 18,000 words every single day. That translates to 54 pages of a novel that you write every single day. So let me even put it in more sobering perspective. That means if it's 700 times a day, 18,000 words, at the end of the year, you speak 66 Tom Clancy novels every year. 66 of those books you are speaking every single day. That is a lot of words. And that's why those 18,000 words matter every single day. Every single day. How come? Here's what the Bible tells us. Proverbs 18, 21. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That means in those, as I began to think about this, 18,000 words literally contain life and death that we're speaking every single day. Another version puts it like this. Words kill and words give life. You choose which one you want them to be. Think, think of that for a second. 66, 800 page novels we speak every single year. That's why we've got to take real seriously those 18,000 words. What is, and I kept thinking to myself and asking, even myself amongst my children, my family, the church, with friends, what is my life and death ratio every day? Of those 18,000 words, what is, what is my life and death ratio? This 54 pages a day of speaking helped me realize, and this is what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments today. These 18,000 words helped me realize one important thing. I think I know from these words, get ready, I want to talk to you today about where aliens come from. So just bear with me for a second, because I'm going to give you some very important information. And it's not from across the borders, and it's not from across the universe, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to see how powerful 18,000 words are every single day. Because I want to take you to a message that was preached by Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And in fact, it's the one time that the word alien is used in the Bible. 
And it's the story how a man becomes an alien from one of some of those 18,000 words that someone speaks. The man's name is Moses. In fact, I want to show you God's man and Israel's leader became an alien before he be even became a deliverer. And this is the part that I began to think to myself, how important it is not only what we say up here in front of a microphone, but what we say every single day. Those 54 pages are written. Those 18,000 words are coming out of our mouth every single day. Here's the alien story in Acts chapter 7. It's Stephen speaking about the life of Moses. And I want you to follow with me. You have to listen to where these words come from. Listen to this now. Acts chapter 7 verse 23. But when he, Moses, was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren. Now you have to remember, he is prince of Egypt. He is royalty, and now God begins to stir his heart that you are going to one day become a deliverer. He visits his brethren, who are the Jews that are in captivity, and the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Verse 25. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting deliverance through him, but they didn't understand. Verse 26. On the following day, he appeared to them and and as they were fighting together, he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, men, you are brethren. Why do you injure one another? And then this is what it says. But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away and said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? You don't mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? Okay, just listen to those words again. Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Are you going to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Now, Times Square Church, listen. Every home fellowship group, those in North Jersey, this is so important. 24 words changed his life. 24 of those 18,000 changed Moses' life. Here it is. Look at verse 29. This tells the whole story. At this remark... Moses became an alien in the land of Midian and he became the father of two sons. 24 words turned him into an alien and he, flee, he flees, fled for his life. Think of that. 24 words that were spoken by a man that has no name literally changed this man's life. A remark, a statement, a few words strung together and now Moses' life is changed and he's on a course thinking, what do these people now think about me? Think of that for just a moment. Do you, do you remember when words were spoken to you that changed you? When somebody began to speak words that changed even the course of how you even thought about even yourself? When prob probably some of you are sitting here today going, I know who said it, when it was said, and what was said. When you've heard those, those words, they lodged inside of your soul like it did for Moses. And all I thought about was this. Listen, Times Square Church, how someone's irresponsible mark, that someone sitting here today can be one irresponsible remark away from becoming an alien. Just somebody sitting in this place. Just the wrong words that are said that, that put such a weight on those 18,000 words. I was telling Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa last night over dinner, I said, I, I found something in a journal. I have a journal on my phone that I've kept over many, many years. And it popped up yesterday that says, do you want to read what happened? And it said X amount of years ago. And I said, sure. And, and folks, I read 
some of the hardest moments of my life and words that were said. And literally, I remember what those words did to me, what those words started to lodge inside of me. And we've got to be so careful that the people around us, of even the people that are part of our life, that we're not getting death words spoken to us every single day. That some of us sit in a place that we're hearing it come over and over again. I love the story of a man that just became born again. And he said, I have too many friends that speak words of death to me. I am changing this. And so what he did was he changed, he changed his voicemail on his phone and wouldn't answer the phone when his friends called. And this is what the voicemail said. He said, I'm not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call. I am making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I don't return your call. You're one of the changes. And I love that. Because he realized one remark can send you into the desert. One statement, 24 words changed his life. If the tongue can speak life and death, I'm telling you, I thought to myself, what are words of death that changed Moses? Listen, when words cause you to become something that you had no intention of becoming, those are words of death. 24 words changes royalty to a fugitive and an alien. At 40 years old, 24 words began to change him. He's in the prime of his life, and now all of it seems that it's all taken away. A remark takes him from the palace and puts him in the desert. And The words brought fear and put him on the run. And you've heard words like that. It goes like this. You'll never be anything. You're just like your father. You'll never amount to anything. I hate you. I wish I never had you. You're not even our child. I've, I've heard adults go become an alien and flee when they've heard those words. It's amazing to me that people's hearts are so fragile and words are so powerful. People's hearts are so fragile and words are so powerful. Listen, Times Square Church, irresponsible words plus a fragile heart is a train wreck. That's right. Irresponsible words and a fragile heart is a train wreck. Let me tell you, just as I read this story, three thoughts came to my mind because I know what this is about. I've known, I've experienced it. So let me lead you on a short journey and just three thoughts. And, and I think, I think there's going to be life. I'm believing there's going to be life at the end of the tunnel here. So just bear with me. So number one, jot this down. Words can change the course of someone's life, positive and negative. Words are game changers. Life words and death words can literally change people. This this effect of life words can be just as powerful. Words like this to, I love you, I'm proud of you, I was thinking of you, I was praying for you. Those are life words we can speak. Oh my goodness. Times Square Church, let me help you with something. Words in the lobby after church are important. Some... You can speak life or death when people are walking into place. And some of you are going, like, I don't know any life words. Let me give you a set of great life words. Something like this. Are you losing weight? You look so skinny. That is life for somebody. Listen, you say that to everybody, you will be everybody's friend. I'm telling you that right now. You look so skinny today. You look so young today. Not, you're wearing that. that. That doesn't help anybody. I'm just telling you, life words change everything. 
Hey, I laughed. Someone sent me a new Harvard study that Harvard discovered something that the Bible's been saying for, for centuries. And it said that it says that the mental health and the physical health of teenagers who are raised in the church are more healthy than those who are not raised in the church. And I'm going, we spent money for that to be discussed. This is what Harvard said. They said when teenagers attend church at least once a week, it says they are 20% happier, 30% will volunteer to help others, and 33% of them will never be addicted to anything in their life. And I read that and I'm just going, duh, duh, are you serious? That's what God has been saying to us. That's why, listen to me close, Times Square Church, you have to surround yourself with words of life. And for some of you, even Sunday doesn't become enough. Because if you don't know, you have six other days of the week. What I am so excited, and you're going to hear more information about this in the weeks to come, starting in January, there is literally dozens and dozens and dozens of small groups that you're going to have a chance to be part of and sign up through the website. And what that's going to do is it's going to begin to put you in a circle of people that will speak life to you. That some of us, we, we, we know how to come to church, but we don't know how to get in the right circle that people can speak life. That it literally can change the course of your week, of your life. And this is so important. That's why I want to challenge you. You want to be listening to Pastor Carter, Pastor David, and Pastor Patrick as they begin to give you all that information coming in January. We're, they want to provide a venue that life words can come to you. And so you have to understand, every one of us, oh my goodness, I need it every single time. When life words come, it can change the course of somebody's life. Let, 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 me, let me explain it like this. Cindy and I have had the privilege of walking with, and over the last decade and a half, working with one of the most powerful mission organizations in the world today called Compassion International that are now feeding and helping and bringing um, not only food but medical attention to over a million and a half children in 26 different countries. And we've had the, the privilege of not only sponsoring children but to go and to work with them. And it's just an amazing organization. And so one of the, one of the advisory councils that I've sat on, I was sitting there with the president, the former president, mentioned to us how important words are that we write letters to these children. He says, in fact, I would rather letters go than even support go. He says, because money doesn't change your life. The words change their life. And he told us this story that, that I just can't believe. This is what he said. He said, there was a little boy from Kenya who had a sponsor in London. And he goes, he goes this, is, this was a game changer. That little boy found out he was being sponsored by this, this, this single mom in London. And she, she was writing a letter. But before she could even write a letter, she received one from the sponsor. This, the child saying, thank you for sponsoring me. Thank you for, for, for doing this and, and helping me. And, and he said, I included my picture. And this is what the boy said. You can see from my picture that I'm not very good looking. And he says, so just pray for me. That sponsor wrote back and said, you are good looking. God has made you exactly. And God is going to. So he wrote, she writes that to him. And the little boy gets so encouraged. And then he writes back. And he's just, just a young boy in elementary school and says, Man, thank you so much. I found something that I'm good at. I'm the fastest boy in my class. 
And so she wrote back, she says, I knew God put something. I knew how awesome you are. This is great. So months go and, and over the years they're exchanging. Then he writes again and he says, I found out I'm not just the fastest kid in my class. I'm the fastest kid in my school. And so she goes, look at that. God made you good looking and fast. And so she says, this is fantastic. A few years later, he writes, not only am I good looking and fast, he goes, I found out that I'm the fastest kid in my class, in my school. I'm the fastest kid in the country, and they're sending me to the Olympics. This is what happens. That little boy gets a bronze medal at the Olympics, and compassion rerouted his flight because he wanted to give it to his sponsor in London and say, your words kept me in the game that you spoke to me. It was your words that did that. Do you understand what words of life can do? Let's not be irresponsible. Words of life can literally change somebody's life today. Your words can turn people into things they never thought they could be, both good and bad. Words takes a Kenyan boy and turns him into an Olympic medalist. And words turns Moses into an alien. Think, think of just 24 words for, that, for Moses. Think of just a few letters for that Kenyan boy and think what happens. Think of the power of those 18,000 words that you're going to speak today. And listen to me close. Listen, Times Square Church, because words do matter. They really do matter. I, I think to myself, that think, think of the words spoken to one of the most powerful prophets in all of the Old Testament that turns him suicidal. First Kings chapter 19, her name is Jezebel. His name is Elijah. He is just seen 400 Baal prophets embarrassed by the fire of God coming down in 1 Kings 18. And before he can even get off the mountain, he says, gets a message sent to him. And it says this, I, this is from Jezebel. I swear by the gods that I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow night. And the Bible says, so Elijah fled for his life, went alone into the wilderness, traveled all day, sat under a bush and prayed that he might die. How does that happen? How do words take a Moses and turn him into an alien? How do words take a Kenyan boy and turn him into an Olympic athlete? How does, how does the words, a letter from a woman that he has never met, and what's amazing is never met, and it never happens, but yet it sends him into a suicidal tailspin. That's the power of the words that God has put inside of us. That's the power. And the thing that I love about that Elijah story is this, is that it said in verse nine, when he goes into the wilderness, this is what it said. The word of the Lord came to him, found him where he was, which is number two. Get this down. There's no place man's remark can send you that will keep God out. There's not a place, and I'm telling you this from experience, there's not a place that anybody could say anything. I don't care if it's a religious leader, a parent, I don't care if it's a coworker. If that word, those words send you to a place, let me tell you what's following right along with you. God's very presence is following you wherever you go when those words come. Because those words can't keep God out. They can't. When man's remark sent Moses to the desert, but guess, guess who's waiting for him in the, in, in, the, in the image of a burning bush? See, because difficulties to a Christian are only miracles that haven't happened yet. Difficulties for a Christian is God going, I'm on standby, but a miracle is about to happen. Let me, let me just show you just for a moment what God was doing. Let me just explain it. Because when you read Acts chapter 7, you see three divisions of Moses' life that's pretty amazing. 
And it, and it separates them into 40, 40, and 40. In fact, when you look at Moses' three periods, he's 40 years in Egypt before the remark comes. That's what it says in verse 23. But if you look at your Bible in verse 30, it says that he was 40 years in the desert when he was, when he was driven there by those remarks and those words. So at 80 years old, he hears the calling of God to go back to, to, go back to Egypt to deliver to deliver. I mean, think about that full circle. You, you're in Egypt. Words send you into the wilderness. God follows you into the wilderness. And then God's about to bring him back to the very place that began to, that began to destroy him. And he says, now these 40 years that you're coming out, you're going to go right back to the same place that tried to destroy you. Think how incredible this is because there's no place man's remark can send you that will keep God out. And God used that season. God used that season to do something so deep inside of him. Pastor Carter told you about my father. And it is, my dad is my, my, was my hero before the Lord took him home. And I, I was so grateful for the years and the example that my dad was. I, I, I would hear the stories of the beginnings of Teen Challenge, of the first Brooklyn Teen Challenge, and how him and Brother Dave would tag team to get the place going. And even from contributors, he, Brother Dave would use my mom's cooking and lasagna to bring them over to the house. And my dad would be there and they would talk about what was going to happen. And they would see amazing things that God would partner with them. I remember my dad sometimes would tell me stories. He was chief of the transit before the transit and the NYPD began to merge together. And I remember my dad telling me a story. He said, he said, you know, there was a really tall sergeant that we used to have on the force, and his name was Lou, and he said he used to tell me all the time about his son that was a great basketball player here in New York City. He says his dad was a beast, just giant, giant. He says, and his son was just breaking all high school records here in New York City in the, in the early 1960s, and he says his father's name was Lou Alcinder Sr., and his son was Lou Alcinder Jr., who eventually began to become recruited by all universities around America and then eventually ends up at UCLA. And some of you would know him because he changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so my dad would tell me about um, the stories and what he would hear from, from them. But I remember reading the story. L listen for just a moment how important this is, that no matter where man's remark takes you, God is always following to pull you out of that. There's something that he's always trying to get at us. And when he goes to UCLA, when Lou Alcindor Jr. goes to UCLA, he is under one of the most amazing coaches, the most winning coach percentage-wise in, in all of basketball and really college sports, John Wooden. And while he is there under John Wooden, something is happening. UCLA is beating everybody. Nobody can stop him, especially Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jabbar at the time. Everybody knows, everybody knows Steph Curry. Everybody knows KD. Everybody knows LeBron. Everybody knows Westbrook. But, but we're dealing with, when you deal with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to this day, he is the highest NBA scorer in the history of the NBA. Some of you are going like, well, what about LeBron? And he's not, LeBron is seventh. <laughs> Steph Curry, Philippians 4.13. He's not even on the list. I just want you to understand that. Okay, 
Kareem Abdul, number one scorer. While he was there, they'd throw the ball into the paint, he'd dunk it. Throw the ball in bait, he'd dunk it. And during this time, civil rights was taking place. The NCAA did something that just, just ignited all the civil rights and what was happening today. And it was a really, really bad move. They outlawed, can you imagine this? They outlawed dunking in college basketball in 1966. Can you imagine that? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar took it as a, as a racial affront and says, I'm quitting. I'm done with this. He says, they are doing this to stop me because of my color, because of all this. I am done with this. And when he was walking off, John Wooden came right after him. And this is what he said to him. Listen to this. He went right to that dark place when this man wanted to quit. And John Wooden said these words, Lewis, this is going to make you a better player. You're going to have to work harder and you're going to have to develop a little shot really close to the basketball net. He says, they may not let you dunk, but he says, but you can find a way to do one little shot goes off the backboard that can really help you at this time. He says, that's going to make you a better player and a better person. And that shot was called the sky hook, which every player says is the most indefensible shot in all of the NBA, which means when a remark wanted to send this man to become a quitter, one man went after him and said, no, 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 there's something deep inside of you that's going to be used. He said, let me just tell you something. If there is a remark in this place that has sent you into a tailspin, I'm telling you, God is following after you and says, there's something deeper inside of you. Some of you don't know that there is a sky hook inside of you that's going to get ready to do something. Man, try to stop it, but God is going, listen, they may have said you're an alien, but you're really going to be a leader. You're going to be a deliverer. You're going to be used of God. You are loved. You are wanted. You are God's man and woman today. God cares about you today. And he will follow you no matter where those words take you. God's word will follow you right into that very same place. Oh my goodness, I've seen it. I've seen myself get into a place and walk all the way into depression. And God walked right there with me the entire time. And just when you thought, I can't do this anymore, he'll either speak or even send people to speak. And maybe today I'm the one who's sent here to speak to you and saying, you're going to get a sky hook. You're going to be a deliverer. You are not a waste. God has a plan for your life today. He really does. Words are game changers. I know it. That's why this pulpit is so important. It speaks to the world. Words are so important today. And, and, and secondly, I realize that no matter where those words take you, God is always following right behind to say, you don't have to live in that. I've, I've watched God do that. And finally, let me just finish with this. Men's words never have to have the final say over your life. Men's words never have to. Now remember, Death words brought you there. Death words brought you there, but they don't have to keep you there. Death may have brought you to a place that you're going, I didn't want to be here. But always remember this. God is an expert in resurrection and knows how to defeat death. He knows what to do when you are finding yourself in a place where death has come. God can always deal with death. Because he knows how to defeat it. That's what Revelation chapter 1 says. Listen to me close. A man's remark can make you an alien, but the voice of God can make you a deliverer. Man's remark can drive you into suicidal tailspin, but God's word can literally pull you out and speak life and speak decades back into you and breath back into you today. 
Studies say that it takes 47 positive comments to negate one negative comment. But I think it's true. But with God, only one word can change everything at that point. I'm just telling you, God doesn't need 47. God can do it in just one word in your life today. Let me read to you what happens in Acts 7 as Greg and the team come. Listen to these words. Acts chapter 7, verse 30. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. Now remember, he's been driven there by words of death. 24 words sent him as an alien. And it says, in the flame of a burning thorn bush, God appeared. Verse 31, when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he approached it, he looked more closely. And then came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with fear. He was afraid to look. Verse 33 says, but the Lord said to him, take off your sandals from your feet. Because the place that you're standing is holy ground. I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groans. I've come down to rescue them. Come now. And I am going to send you back to Egypt. Times Square Church, listen to me. It was a standoff between whose word wins, man's word or God's word. This is a standoff. And I've seen this. I've seen this in people's lives. I've seen this in my own life. That there comes a point that God goes, I am going to give you a word. And there's going to be that standoff. When you are not connected to God and his word and to life words, then you are dangerously influenced by men's comments. God fixed him with an encounter. And God got him back on track with just one word speaking. I am sending you back. I've heard the groans. I'm sending you back. Oh my goodness. This fragile heart comes in contact with the powerful words of God. That literally is going to change his life today. It does, it's God does not, if God doesn't meet him, then he is an alien for life. If God doesn't meet him, he's in the wilderness for the rest of his life. If God doesn't speak to him, he's stuck there. And some of you are sitting here stuck in a place that I'm telling you that God is about to pull you out today. He's about to speak life to you today. Let me finish with this. I was doing a conference in um, Detroit some years ago and one of the most um, sobering things took place when I was on stage. I was just a morning workshop speaker and they had the speakers on stage and while we were on stage my friend who was a pastor in Nashville had his phone with him and he felt the buzz of the phone and he looked down and it was a text that was coming to him saying please call and it mentioned the name and um, it was a call from a, from a friend that said, please, I need your help. My, my daughter, my five-year-old daughter just got run over, rushed to the hospital. They don't think she's going to make it five years old. She was adopted from China, five years old, little Maria adopted from China. And as he started texting, it made it even worse. She was run over in the car by her older brother on accident. While, while the older brother was coming into the driveway, the little girl loved her little brother, loved Will, and so she comes running to Will, and Will never saw her and accidentally runs over that little precious five-year-old girl and literally, bring, they bring her to the hospital, know that she's not gonna make it, and she doesn't make it. What made this story just even more incredible was that as that six, as that SUV went over little Maria, that little five-year-old Maria Sue, she was the youngest of six of gospel artist, singer, Stephen Curtis Chapman. 
It was he adopted three beautiful children from China. And his oldest son, Will, ran over. Stephen Curtis Chapman, who's, who has been used all over the world, his Christian music, all over the world, and finds that his oldest son, as the whole family is there, runs over little, little Maria. And all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, what do you do? Emergency rescue vehicles arrive, and they load up Maria. And as the Chapmans jumped into the car, it was interesting he said that he doesn't remember saying this until his, one of the family members said, I'll never forget what you did, Dad, when you were pulling out. He says, as the ambulance is taking little Maria, who is eventually going to die, your car right behind him, you hit the brakes while the ambulance is taken off. And he said, you rolled down that window and was as much strength as you could conjure up. You looked at that boy and you just simply said, Will Franklin, your father loves you and rolled up that window. And this is what Stephen Curtis Chapman said. He said, I had a deep concern in my heart that on that day, I wouldn't lose two children on that day. And as he looked at that little boy, that 17 year old boy and said, Will Franklin, your fathers love you. Those words, listen to me, Times Square Church, those words of life shook will back from becoming an alien and going into depression. A young man that was on the verge of a desert, a young man that was on the verge of suicide and on the verge of depression, but his father spoke life into him and changed his course when he heard these words from his dad, Will Franklin, your father loves you. Nothing better could have been said at that point. And listen to me as we close. God has something to say to all of you today. And let me say it to you, every home fellowship group, North Jersey, right here at Times Square Church, listen to me close. Your father loves you today. Your father loves you today. Your father loves you today. Understand how important this is. And he wants you to live forever with him in heaven. Your father loves you and wants you to live forever with him in heaven. And I'm here to tell you, God went after you by sending his own son. That's what we're celebrating on this Christmas season. And he came from heaven to bring you to heaven. He came from heaven 2,000 years ago to bring you to heaven. Church, listen to me. Every person listen to me in this place. Jesus didn't die on the cross to get you to church. Jesus died on the cross to get you to heaven. He didn't go through all that to go, oh good, now they're in church. That's not what he did. My goodness, he suffered because he wanted to bring you to heaven. Not keep you here in a church. My goodness, as beautiful as this place is, I don't want to be here forever. I want to be with him forever. And I'm here to tell you, listen to me, your father loves you and he wants you to live with him forever in heaven today. Your father loves you. Those are the words that shook a boy out. And some of you, listen, think to yourself because you've heard voices and remarks just like Moses did that made you go alien even from God alien even from church maybe you're listening on a on a podcast on a during the week maybe some of you have been invited here today maybe some of you 
are sitting in one of the home fellowship groups or sitting in our Jersey campus or sitting in our annex and someone invited you today and maybe you haven't heard those words, but I'm here to tell you God loves you and wants you to live forever with him in heaven. But maybe the remarks you heard are this. You're not a good enough person. You have to be a Protestant. You have to be a Catholic. You have to be this. You have to be a Muslim. You have to be a Jew. You have to be baptized. You have to take communion. And the more rules that you hear, you're going, I, I just can't do all this. Some of you have heard voices and remarks in your head that you've done too much for God to love you. The reason why you're having so many issues is God is angry with you. And I'm here to tell you today that the voice of God, that his voice is going to speak louder than any other voice today and that your father loves you and wants you to live forever with him in heaven. Listen to me. You have not been bad enough that God can't forgive you today. And let me just tell you one other thing. And you can't be good enough to get to heaven either. You have not, you are not bad enough that God can't forgive you. Only Jesus can get you there. He can forgive you of anything you've done. Listen to these words. Listen to these words and let them take over any other remark that you've heard in your life. This is Jesus who cannot lie. John 6, 37. And Jesus said this, I have never turned anyone away who comes to me. That's what Jesus said. You're on the list. Your father loves you and wants to live forever with you in heaven. And Pastor Tim, what are the, what are the directions to heaven? Listen to me. I, I'm, I'm a good person. I've been to church. I've been baptized. I've, I've not tried to hurt anybody. If, if that was the case, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on the cross. If just you being here today, or I'm going to make some promises. I'm going to get myself better today. L listen, listen real close. Jesus said this in John 3, 3. No man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Those are Jesus's words. Those aren't ours. Those aren't Times Square Church words. Times Square Church didn't come up with a really cool concept called be born again. Those are Jesus's words. You can come to Times Square, you can go to a temple, you can go to a, a mosque. That doesn't change anybody. Times Square Church, it is Jesus who changes us from the inside out. That's what changes us. And you could be sitting here today going, Pastor Tim, I've heard remarks. I've, I, I'm not good enough. I've done this. I, I, I've, I've heard this inside of me. I've committed a sin that can never be forgiven. None of that's true. God, your Father loves you and wants you to live forever in heaven. Pastor Tim, then how does it happen? It is as simple as ABC. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Let's just take those three letters. Here it is. A, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm not, I, I can't be good enough to get to heaven, but there is a condition inside of me called sin that I can't fix with a promise. I can't fix with a program. I can't fix with pill. I can't fix it on my own. Only God can fix it. I don't know about you, but when it comes to Christmas and when you have four children like I do, I, I'm not good at fixing stuff. I always buy the floor model of stuff. Do you have you understand? So if it's like a bike, I'm not going, I want the one in the box. I'm going, I'll take the one out on the floor that is already put together. None of us were born as a floor model. Every one of us needs assembly required inside of us. And the only one that can assemble our lives back together is God himself. Because what sin does, sin pulls us apart. It's admitting I'm a sinner. It's admitting there's, there is inside of me a condition called sin that I cannot fix myself. 
and we keep thinking, well, I'll just do a lot of good stuff and it's going to balance off the scales. It's impossible. Can't do it. Then what do I do, Pastor Tim? B, believe. Believe that Jesus came and died for your sin. He wanted you to be in heaven, but you can't get to heaven without Jesus. Times Square Church can't get you there. I can't get you there. It's you believing that Jesus died in my place on the cross. Listen, if you could do enough to get you to heaven, then Jesus coming to this planet is the worst case of child abuse in human history. Why would God the Father send his son to die on the cross, go through that pain if you could fix yourself? We can't fix ourselves. We need God to change us today. It's believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he died a death that I should have died. He was my substitute. He stood in my place. It's A, going, I'm broken on the inside. It's called sin. B, believe that Jesus died for that sin, that I could be forgiven today. And C, confessing him as Lord. What does that word mean? It means you're the boss now. You're in charge. You can veto my decisions. What you say goes. You're in charge of my life at this point. It's that simple. I want everyone in this place to bow your head. If you're at a home fellowship group, I want you to bow your head. Jersey, bow your head. Addicts, bow your head with me, please. Because this is a day that I'm telling you, a few words can literally change the course of your life today. Your father loves you and wants to live with forever with you in heaven. Jesus simply gave us directions to heaven. Let's not complicate them. Let's not complicate him that we've got to do this and we've got to do this. Everybody else wants to complicate him. Jesus simply said this, unless a man is born again, I want you to be born again today. I want you to live forever today. I want you to know your sins are forgiven. Listen to me close. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And today you could be forgiven of your sins. Today you could be born again. Today could be a game changer for your life today. Because your father loves you and wants you to live forever with him. In the balcony, in the annex, on this main floor, if you're hearing this today, I'm telling you, this is a game changer for you. And if you're here today, because I just want to pray a born again prayer. I want to pray a prayer that literally becomes a game changing prayer that says, I want to be born again. I want my life to be changed from the inside out. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Today, life words are spoken and your life can be changed today. Pastor Tim, I want to, I want to take that step. This is the best news I've heard all day. I'm, I'm not perfect. Perfect. That's good for us. Good for you. I, I, I've got stuff in my, and I'm, I want you to understand it. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how little money you have. It doesn't matter what you've done or the good you've done or the bad you've done. We all need Jesus starting with me today. And if you're here in this place and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of that. I want to start a journey today with God. I want to start a journey today. I want God in my heart. I want my life to be changed from the inside out. And when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of that. I want my life changed today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you go, I want to be part of that. I want to be born again today. I'm going to take that next step. If that's you, without any hesitation right now, if that's you, I want you to hold up your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as high as you can all over this place. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up in the balcony on the main floor. Every hand that's up. If your hand is up today, I want you right now, because you're going to have, listen, you don't have to be embarrassed. A lot of people are going to cheer for you. I want you to stand right now, because I want to pray for you. Quickly, stand to your feet, wherever you're at, in the balcony on the main floor. Quickly, stand up. And here's what I want you to do. Quickly, stand up. If that's you, you've got a lot of people that are going to cheer you on today. If that's you, 
I want you to come down here. I want you to pray. Come on, you're gonna have people. Come on, come on down. I wanna pray for you today. Balcony, come on down. Hey, why don't you stand and let them get out? Come on, everybody stand. I wanna pray for all those that wanna be born again today. Quickly, you make your way down. Balcony, main floor, annex. You, you just go straight up. Home fellowship groups, I want you just to stand right where you are. We're gonna have one of our people there pray for you. Quickly, come up close. I love that you guys are here today. This makes all the difference in the world. This is a game changer today. This is a game changer today. This is a born again moment that God begins. Because listen to me close. Your father loves you and wants to spend forever with you in heaven. Your father loves you. You can't be good enough and you can't be bad enough to ever be forgiven by God. And that's what makes this so important. You made my day today. But more than that, heaven is rejoicing with your decision. Heaven is rejoicing with your decision. Right now, the heart of God rejoices today with your decision. With every single one of you. Listen to me close. From this end to this end, your father loves you and wants you to live forever with him in heaven. Your father loves you today. That's why you're here. Our heart rejoices. And, and can I just tell you my heart? God has a special place in him for lost things. In fact, he gives a whole chapter of the Bible on losing things. He talks about losing one sheep when he has a hundred. Losing one coin when you have ten. Losing one son when you have two. And isn't it interesting, when you lose something, that's all you think about. Now, folks, don't be offended. I'll pray with you at the end, but just listen to me. I want you to understand something. How many have ever lost their keys? How many have ever lost? Okay, I hate to say this. How many have ever lost a child? I mean, I'm talking about I've lost one in a park. I've lost one. Isn't it interesting when you lose something, you're not thinking, um, I've lost my keys. I've lost my wallet. Well, at least I know where my couch is. You're going, at least I know where my car is. No, no, no. You're not going, at least I know where my fountain. You're going, you can't think of anything else except lost things. And let me just tell you something. I love you. I think you're amazing. But my heart is always thinking of that which is lost, going, this is what counts today. This is what counts today. You today, we, all these folks are excited because this is a game changer for you today. This is a game changer. And here's, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this together. This is all of us. This is not some magic prayer. It just comes from the heart. We're just going to pray this together. This is God saying, I love you. And today my life changes today. I take a new step. I'm not perfect. I don't have everything together. You don't have to. Listen to me close. God has it together. That's the, that's the main thing. And now he lives in your heart. So here's what I want you to do. I want, us to, I want us to close our eyes and say this out loud. Every one of us. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus... I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.